this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it. For our families, for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. We're in, uh, and I forgot to hit record here, they were in a, uh, they were in a, uh, 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 a, a overseas flight. They landed, and if you notice, anybody in my family is not small. They got off the plane, and their luggage got lost. They went to one place, their luggage went a thousand miles away. Now they're in a foreign country. They're in another country. They have no <laughs> clothes with them except what's in the carry-on bag, which was negligible. So they said, okay, no problem. We're going to go out and just do some clothes shopping. We're only going to be here for a week on business, blah, 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 blah. Nobody had the size clothes that they needed at all. Complete hellish thing. I said, well, what did you do? What did you do? Well, (laughs) who knows what we did? Uh, She wore the same clothes all week. (laughs) And that was basically it. Uh, which means that she had a lot of dry cleaning and things down in the, uh, laundry, right? Laundry every day. It wasn't fun. All right. So what, what's your plan? Because you have to plan out for this type of stuff. Also, that could be a disaster. You have a big meeting. Guess what? You have no clothes. All right. What else we got going on here? Where can I find this, uh, story? Here. All right. So there was a congressman, a newly elected congressman-elect, who uh, New York, and this is New York, New York Ref-elect Santos admits to lying about career and college. This has been widely reported all over the place. He was, I believe, out of Long Island here. In an interview with New York Post, Santos said, my sins here are embellishing my resume. I'm sorry. All right. I campaigned talking, and this is a quote. I campaigned talking about the people's concerns, not my resume. I intend to deliver on the promises I made during the campaign. Okay, here is a question for you. How many of you folks, whether you ran for political office or not, embellish your resume? I tell you, a lot of people embellish their resume. If you ever had to submit your resume, whether it's for a job or if it's for, uh, uh, no, it was a different type of job where it's uh, expert witness. I was thinking a word. What happens when you're uh, submitting the job? When you're, they have to, they double check everything you do. And you have better make damn sure that everything is accurate in there. I've heard of companies 20, 25 years later, finding out people didn't have degrees that they needed to. Uh, when I uh, started working for a major university in uh, northern New Jersey, uh, first thing they did was they, there's a service out there that certify. I No, I have copies of my degrees, my diplomas. They said, not good enough. We need you to go to a service to certify your degrees. Mm. You know, uh, 
you know, uh, now everything's checked and double checked. And especially if, uh, so I had a boss, Jeff Olcott. Sounds like I'm jumping all over. I had a boss and one of the uh, conditions of employment was that every job you go to, and we were consultants working on hazardous waste sites for the most part, you had a couple of things on you. You had a resume detailing all the jobs that you've done and with a description, like a CV, right? Or Q&E package. What do they call it? Curriculum Vichier or something, right? CV. You had a copy of all your training certificates and you had a copy of your hazmat physical. This way, whenever he uh, called you out, middle of the night, I got calls four o'clock in the morning. Uh, my old supervisor from Envirogenics is going to be here. And uh, he would give me calls five o'clock in the morning. Hey, uh, Jimmy, and this is before a cell phone. So uh, my mom and dad really appreciated getting a phone call, John. Uh, it was, hey, uh, we need you at such and such a location, blah, blah, blah. Here's the address. I, it's in such and such a place. Oh, and by the way, we have no idea how to get there. So what, what did I have? I had like 30, oh, no, New Jersey has 21 counties. I had 21 county maps. And I had also the TOFO maps and the regular gas station style maps or AAA maps. And we figured it out, blah, blah, blah. We get there. And what would happen is, well, where's your certifications? Because we're used to the companies sending people out here with no certifications, no training, no physical. Well, here it is. Well, guess what? If you showed up to a job site without that, you got the wrath of Jeff. Right? Because... This is what you do. You must do this. And you must have a hard hat, blah, 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 blah. All your other basic PPE. You didn't have to carry on supply to a respirator, but basic PPE you had to have. And this habit has followed me around now 30 years later. So why do I go there? I update this stuff all the time. All the time. It's up to like eight pages, size 11 font all my education, all the jobs I've been on, all my experience. And what happens is I submit this sometimes. And what do you think happens? They call me up and say, no way you did all of this. Well, guess what? If you're in a, I'm, I haven't done a lot compared to other people in the industry 30 years. I really haven't. Once, if you're working for a private consultant, you get a lot of experience at different jobs. I've submitted it and I've gotten... Uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback both ways. One, there's no way you did all of this. And number two, if you've done all of this, you can't hold down a job. Well, I'm a, working for an environmental consultant. These are all, well, yeah, but we're confused because what happened normally it's because they don't understand what they're looking at and you have to let them know what they're looking at sometimes. Brevity. So what I'll do is when I go for a job, I have a one-page resume. This is a one-page resume. This is the overview, blah, blah, blah. And since now I'm credentialed certified safety professional, things have gotten really short, right? So you come in there and you say, hey, yeah, I'm a certified safety professional, certified this, certified that, blah, 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 blah. Very short one-page resume. Then you say, if you're interested, I have this eight-pager with my CV, everything else I do, all my proof of credentials and everything else. Okay, great. That's what I have. And that's what I had in, in writing. Now, uploading that to an online job search uh, place, which I, you know, there are several of them out there. It could be a little bit of a problem uh, there. 
with that, that's where I would go with the one pager and then hope for a phone call, then you email or do whatever. Hopefully the algorithm will see you. Uh, and that's what I do. Now, when I ran for political office, all right, and this is where uh, some of this stuff here, right? When you run for political office, especially today, and where everything is easily verified, they have services out there where, yeah, I could send proof of my uh, degree, but also people could go on there and look up whether you have that degree. So there's like a double verification. So apparently this person, uh, Representative Alex Santos, uh, my kids just got home from uh, Rockefeller Center here. Uh, I had to do site work today. Anyway, they, uh, they're they waving. They don't want to go on the air for some reason. I don't know why. All right. They, uh, so this apparently, uh, no, allegedly, according to several sources, he obtained a degree. He said that he obtained a degree from a certain college, but the school said that could not be confirmed. Right? And he said on Monday, quote, I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having to embellish my resume. We do stupid things in life. Oh, okay, great. We do stupid things. He had said that he worked for two financial houses, right? Financial services houses. You've heard of both of them. The company said he didn't ever work there. They couldn't verify or deny anything. They, uh, we never know. I don't know. The, uh, the, the uh, candidate, Santos, said he had, he, he had, quote, never worked directly for either firm, saying that he used a poor choice of words. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no crap. Now, this is what I think got under everybody's, uh, uh, everybody's uh, skin here got underneath their fingernails, right? Like with a torture, right? Uh, a Jewish American site, The Forward, had questioned the claim on Santos's campaign website that his grandparents, quote, fled Jewish persecution in Ukraine, settled in Belgium, and again fled persecution during World War II. The candidates say, I never claimed to be Jewish. And this is a quote. I never claim to be Jewish. Quote, I am Catholic because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background. I said I was Jewish. Really? All right. Pretty much all Polzels and all Kaminskys are 3 to 4% Ashkenazi Jewish. I'm Lutheran. I'm out there. But for me to say I am Jewish... Would be a you know would be a little bit of a stretch to say the least. All right, uh, I'm not going to make excuses for the guy or come up with any type of uh, speculation for this gentleman, but I suspect this is what my suspicion is after working in politics. He was the old he uh, he is. Uh, let me see here. Congressman elect. All right, here he is. Where is he running uh, for office? Here is he. 
the people are causing him to resign. I want to know what, where was he uh, elected? New York third congressional district electee. All right. So let's see where is, where is third? Hold on. Bear with me, everyone. And this happens all the time. Okay, where is this? New York's third congressional district is dude, dum dum dum. It is on northern northern uh, Long Island, New York. So it's east of New York City. All right. Who uh, now? How did they vote? In 2020, they voted. We're going to do an analysis. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive here. All right. I mean, it's the holiday time, right? Who's listening? Let's face it. Let's do a little bit of a deep dive, and we're going to go into the swamp. Okay, so here's what we have. The third uh, election, the third, right, from the third district, New York. We have Biden, 2020, Clinton, 2016, Obama, 2012, Obama, 2008. That's statewide election results. All right. What was the breakdown here? Do for this district. It was Steve Israel, Democrat. Uh, so before him, Thomas Sozi, right? Democrat. Steve Israel, Democrat. Peter King, Republican. Before that, Robert Mezrak, Democrat, for a long time, right? Five terms. And before that, Republican. So it's gone back and forth. But most recently, for almost 10 years, right, for one, two, three, four, five congressional races, it was Democrat. And we have uh, for nation, uh, for statewide, where we have no Republican. uh, So this has been a blue state. So I'm going to give a little bit of speculation here. Where am I going with this? I suspect that nobody wanted to run. That's my opinion. Nobody wanted to run. They might have had a couple of uh, 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 a couple of uh, primary races here and everything else with uh, you know uh, you know uh, with the uh, thing you know and going back and forth. I suspect nobody wanted this wanted this race. Nobody wa- So what did they do? They went and they uh, got somebody, young guy, 34 years old, perfect age for a congressman to run for election first time. And they said, don't worry about it. We're going to go and we're going to set you up. And there might have been a consultant there that said, well, send me money and I'll help you get you on the thing. They wrote all of his stuff. I'm not making excuses for him because he's the candidate. He's responsible for this. And they got into this thing. How do you think I know that? Because I've seen it happen so many times with these candidates. So now you get caught and now you have a problem. I don't know how this will turn out. I don't know if I would resign or not in this case, but he's got a lot of explaining to do. But I'm telling you, safety wise, you're a safety professional or any other professional. You don't lie on your resume ever. If you're a safety professional and you go to court, Oh, I have this credential. I have that credential. I have this credential. I have that. Oh, well, we did some checking, sir. 
or ma'am, guess what? You don't have any of that. Now you have a problem. How about if you don't maintain your credentials? You might have a problem with that too. I've seen it happen both ways in court, depending on who's asking that. So we're going to take a little break here and we're going to uh, switch it up a little bit, right? We'll come back with uh, financial news. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including... Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro. Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd. Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant. Jim Pozell with Safety Wars. Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold. And many others. As individuals, we can do great things. But as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Okay, we are back. James Cameron, right, uh, came out with this movie, Avatar 2, recently. And he said it when it's about a three-hour runtime. I have not seen the movie. I saw the original one. I loved it. I love the 3D. But what uh, he has said is it would have been 10 minutes longer had he not cut out scenes with gun violence. Quote, I actually cut about 10 minutes of the movie targeting gunplay action, Cameron said. I wanted to get rid of some of the ugliness to find a balance between light and dark. You have a, you have to have conflict, of course. Violence and action are the same thing depending on how you look at it. This is the dilemma of every action filmmaker, uh, and I'm known as an action filmmaker. He said earlier that I look back on some of the films, and this is a quote, I look back on some of the films I've made, and I don't know if I would want to make that film now. I don't know if I would want to fetishize the gun like I did on a couple of the Terminator movies 30 plus years ago in our current world. What's happening with guns in our society turns my stomach. And he goes on and on with some very controversial, uh, what well, some listeners here might find very controversial uh, comments. Okay. What have we talked about over the last two weeks on this show? We've talked about manipulation, right? We've talked about that. Nudging the media, nudging people one way or another way. We have, I think, eight releases from Twitter, right? The Twitter gate, what uh, some people are calling it, of allegedly... And this is all alleged. Certain elements inside our government are influencing Twitter, right? I don't go to Twitter for my news. And then when I see something on Twitter, I no, triple and quadruple check it. And then even sometimes they say this is a bunch of uh, baloney, you know? So influence, influencing the me. And here we have one right here, right? Well, 
here we have. I don't want to fetish eyes guns anymore. Right or wrong, depending on what your thing, what your uh, what your uh, point of view is here on guns and everything. That's not what the issue is. The issue is: Are we being manipulated? Here's another example: We're being manipulated. Maybe I'm gonna have to, you know, I better organize this thing. We'll have a how you're being manipulated today. Uh, uh, session here. I know this is aggravating a lot of people on Safety FM that I talk about this, but you know what? I'm here to give you my opinion and uh, stuff on safety. Now you're going to say, well, Jim, okay, that's with James Cameron and Avatar. Okay. Here's another story. Tesla stopped reporting its autopilot safety numbers online. Why? This is from the LA Times. Right? Like clockwork, Tesla reported autopilot safety statistics once every quarter starting in 2018 last year as those reports ceased. Around the same time, the NTSB, uh, National, I'm sorry, National Highway Safety Traffic Administration, the nation's top auto or safety regulator, began demanding crash reports from automakers that sell so-called advanced driver assistance systems such as autopilot. And going on and on and on, but we have this company and probably some others that are uh, not reporting the safety statistics. So here we go. Are we being manipulated? What's going on here? Did they report them, but they didn't publish them? That could be it too. That's a little bit conspiratorial, but whatever it is, again, are we being manipulated here? Here's another right perfect thing uh, to uh, go with on here. Who do you listen to for news? Why do you listen to them? Do you, now, the only way out of this with all the quote-unquote fake news and other stuff going on there is to question this stuff. Start to learn who the reporters are, what their background is. I'm not saying dox them or anything or harass me. I'm not anything like that. But who are who you're dealing with? If, are they extremely right-wing, extremely left-wing? How's this story going? How's the story being presented? All this stuff goes in there and re realize on most news shows, we have what are called readers, and they're out there reading things. So something to think about. Oh, I promise financial news here, all right? So do, 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 let's get the... Dow Jones Industrial, no, the markets were mixed. Dow Jones Industrials closed at 33,241.56, up slightly. S&P 500 fell slightly, 38,29.25. NASDAQ closed at 10, uh, down slightly, 10,353. Russell 2000 down slightly, 17,49.52. U.S. Treasury notes slid to 33.849%. That's for the 10-year note. Bitcoin dropped slightly, 16678.84. A lot of people, a lot of these exchanges are not uh, surviving here. People are losing a lot of money, but people are also gaining a lot of money. Crude oil is up slightly at 79.83 a barrel. What do we have for precious metals? We have gold at 18.2390 down. Uh, buck fifty, silver is up slightly at twenty four twenty eight. Remember, this stuff trades in real time. 
uh, during our program because it's a worldwide market. Platinum down 1037.50. Palladium fell slightly 1868. Okay, where are we here? Let me. All right. So there's some controversy here going on with energy policy in the West. And when I mean the West, I mean United States and uh, Western Europe. Right. So we have, in case you weren't listening, and I know I cut off the first 10 minutes of the program because I forgot to hit record, uh, the. we have a weather emergency, a lot of people dying up in Buffalo, uh, people not having the capacity, apparently, to uh, respond to a weather-related emergency, running out of food, uh, freak accidents happening. A guy uh, got carbon monoxide poisoning because his flu for his stove was blocked, uh, and he got a, a carbon monoxide in his house, and everything else going on, rolling blackouts. Uh, we have... Uh, terrorists, I'm sorry, I'm going to call them a terrorist, attacking the power grid, right? I think they meet the uh, FBI definition of terrorist last I looked at it. So the way that the U.S. power grid is, was originally set up was that it was all interconnected and it was a source of resilience. But what has happened the last couple of years, we've decrease the capacity, right, uh, apparently, or our resilience would probably be a better word, resilience of the power grid for energy policies. Now, I'm going to tell you this. What, no, what's my own uh, thoughts on this? I cannot do a thing about what regulators are going to do. I can't do it. I can't. Uh, you know, one man can't do, one man can make a difference like we're trying to make here, but not one man can go out there, one person. They need to set up a movement to do whatever, to for whatever your thing is, green energy or the other thing on this. There's a lot of opportunity for that. But let's look at what's going on here is that we do not have the resilience, the capability of responding to things 100% of the time. And even if we went back to what our energy policies were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we still wouldn't have the resiliency to prevent everything. Remember, there's human error, there's equipment error, there's maintenance issues, there's everything else. So what do we do? We have to decide what we're going to do and how are we going to prepare ourselves, our organizations, our communities, our little network of people, things of that nature. That's where we need to go. There were a lot of requests by companies, uh, by uh, power companies that businesses and households cut back on their energy uses usage. I find that pretty hard to do, especially if you have electric heat. And uh, I talked to all, at least three people from New York City today that are using supplemental heat in their homes, in their apartments, or that landlord is in charge of that thermostat. And guess what? They're not going to put it above a certain number. So everybody goes out and gets space heaters. What's that do for the grid? We have had documented cases, not in the winter, but in the summer, where people went out and got the smart grid, uh, I'm sorry, the smart meters and thermostats, where 
people that have gone, the government has gone in there and utilities have gone in there and uh, raised or lowered the thermostat uh, on that. I'm not comfortable with that. Right? You may be okay with it. I'm not conspiratorial here, right? The te- uh, you have rolling blackouts from in areas, right, uh, far away from where there are power outages so they can put money in the grid because they don't have the power. This is an issue that we're going to have to face uh, in this country here. Where are we going with energy policy? So let me uh, mention this, all right? I'm going to go through every month here because, and I'm going to save this because we're going to talk about this every month. This is like a good scheduled thing for us in the safety wars or however, however long this is. So we have uh, ready.gov has a calendar out of what their national campaigns are for 2023. So we have in January, winter safety, human national slavery and human trafficking prevention month, Right. And the reason why that goes in there is Super Bowl, believe it or not. They get people educated, where, especially in the area where the Super Bowl is, uh, because that's one of the areas where they do a lot of human trafficking, For unfortunately. Uh, that's what's been reported over the years, at least. I don't know if it's gotten better or worse. February, National Canned Food Month. I guess that's when a local supermarket does the can-cans, right? Uh, winter safety and Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. A val- I wonder what that is. A Valentine's Day safety in February. March. Uh, the It's Not Luck campaign for spring and flood safety. National Tsunami Awareness Week. You know, I met a woman named Tsunami one time. She got her uh, chops busted a lot with that. National Financial in April. Because it's tax month, National Financial Capability Month, Severe Weather Safety and Safe Place Selfie Day, right? Uh, May, National Wildlife Awareness Month. This is because people are going out there. And it's also National Hurricane Preparedness Month and Don't Fry Day. What is Don't Fry Day? Do, do, do. That is for skin cancer prevention. June, Pet Preparedness Month, getting your pets prepared. Summer and Extreme Heat Safety, National Lightning Safety Awareness Week. July, because of the 4th of July, which is always on the 4th, you have a Fireworks Safety Month and Extreme Heat Safety. Some states like New York have re-legalized certain fireworks for the entire month of, for a good chunk of the month of July, right? Then you have August, Back to School Extreme Heat Safety, Children and Youth Preparedness, and then September National Preparedness Month, October Cybersecurity Month, and National Fire Prevention Week. Here's another one. Why do they always choose uh, October? It's because of the Great Chicago Fire that happened in the 1800s. Little did you know, at least that's what they told us when we were in uh, grammar school, right? Well, what happens in uh, something? No, this is to let you know. There is a a fire in Wisconsin at the same time as the Great Chicago Fire, right? And caused more damage and everything else. But because it's in Chicago and Chicago was a major city in that area, the major city in that area still is. They're the ones who got the coverage. 
Then November, we have our Thanksgiving cooking safety. And that has to do with salmonella from, and also the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, oh, turkey in the fryer. And December, and they have National Influenza Vaccination Week. I got mine last week. Consult with your medical provider as to whether what's appropriate for you. So all those things are going out there. Now, if you're a safety professional, that could be like one uh, safety meeting a month, right, on that. So we're going to take a break here and oh, another break, and we're going to do... Uh, Go to commercial break. Hold on. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. And we are back. Okay, what are we going to talk about tonight? Our main issue, right? We are with this. And this has come up a lot lately. A lot lately. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. A lot lately. A safe forklift operation. So where are uh, the regulations for this? Powered, it's also known as powered industrial trucks, pits. Uh, includes forklifts, uh, but it could be... Uh, several other types of things, right, that are also covered by this. Uh, no, no, no. So, earth-moving equipment that has modified to set forks are not considered powered industrial trucks. So, what's the issue? You're going to be picking up materials with forks, and there are, I believe, seven different types of forklifts out there. And you need to have, your people need to have training on the specific forklift that they're going to be operating. Or it's a type three, also known as a pallet jack, or a class three, known as a pallet jack, or it's going to be a class seven, which is known as a all-terrain lift, four-wheel drive normally, right? Off-road forklift, also known as a lull uh, on that uh, by certain people, even though that's a brand name. Uh, all the equipment is pretty much the same. The issue here is this, with this. Uh, there are procedures with this. There's training with it. And don't think that you're going to send someone for a training class and now, now all of a sudden they're experts in forklifts. It takes a lot of practice with a forklift. And also the people who are spotting the forklift have to have training too. Meaning if there's limited view, that person, because this is what has happened on two of my projects. Person was not watching spotting a forklift i got to investigate the after the fact the uh accidents one they lowered the forks onto their own feet the spotter the other one was the spotter wasn't wearing where they were watching where they were walking and they fell into a ditch right uh another one just got run over so three so uh 
that's what you need to watch out for. So it's not only the operator, but it's also the person spotting them and the people around them. Some warehouses I've been in, they've had uh, what is called the green lane. And if you are a pedestrian, you do not go outside the green lane. If you are a forklift operator, you do not go in the green lane. All right. Uh, I mentioned this one time uh, before. The guy's name was Fred. Uh, I worked with. He got impaled and on his Achilles tendon with a forklift tine by somebody who was not. Uh, no. So as the story goes, someone wasn't paying attention and lack of training. Who says no? That was 20 some years ago. My brother Wally and I worked with him. Ended up killing him because of a major staph infection. So that's a major hazard. So what are we looking for? Right, forklift, and this is off of the OSHA Quick Card, available from OSHA.gov. Forklift operators and employees working around these operations are at risk of hazards such as collisions, okay, falls, tip-overs, and struck-by conditions. So uh, this... Let's say that you buy a forklift or you get a secondhand forklift or you rent one. What do you need to do? So you have the full-blown forklift class. So we're going to assume everybody gets the same training. If you're the employer, you have to verify that everybody has had what is called familiarization training, meaning that they're familiar with that forklift that you're using specifically. Way I normally do is I deliver a forklift to a site. I say, where is the uh, instruction manual? I will go through the instruction manual. I will go through and uh, see what we have, see what we need. And that normally, uh, that no, that normally is what, uh, 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 how I handle it. All right. Then. After we all get on the same page, it's num the number one thing for OSHA and also injuries is when oh, deadly injuries is always wear a seatbelt. Wear the seatbelt. I haven't seen a forklift that's manufactured unless it's been removed. And the last 50 years, I did not have a seatbelt in it. So make sure that you wear a seatbelt when the forklift has one available. Never exceed the rated load and ensure that it's stable and balanced. You could go onto YouTube or another website and you'll see uh, a, what we used to call a snuff website where it would be uh, like people dying and stuff. What happens with these forklifts? They know that the forklift doesn't have enough counterbalance, so they put weight on there, usually in the form of a person on the back of the forklift. Forklifts are almost all of them are only have one are rated for one person. Have I been on forklifts that had uh, a, a jump seat in it? Yeah, I have been. They, those are massive forklifts with that. Very rare, only one in 30 years, and it was it was modified with the manufacturer's blessing. So don't uh, ensure exceed the rated load. And the thing is, don't have the load too high because the center of gravity, also known as the stability triangle, you're gonna, the center of gravity will go outside the stability triangle and make it more likely to flip over, right? So you have to have the load slow and do not raise or lower the load when traveling, right? Uh, so, for example, let's look, think about it. You have a low load. You hit a bump or, or the load shifts or something. Nothing happens. 
let's say. But if that load is all the way 8 foot, 10 foot, 12 foot in the air, like it often is, why do they put it up that high? Because they can't see where they're going. They don't have a spotter, so they raise it up high and it's easier to see. Now you hit the same bump. Now what's a one-inch move on the top is a six-inch move. I'm sorry, one-inch move at the bottom of the mast is now a six-inch move at the top. The thing flips right over. Horrible. Keep a safe distance from the platform and ramp edges. Again, YouTube is loaded up with videos of people driving off a ramp with a forklift. Be aware of other vehicles in the work area. Have a clear visibility of the work area and ensure you have enough clearance when raising, loading, and operating a forklift. Use proper footing and the handhold if available when entering or exiting the forklift. And use horns at cross aisles and obstructed areas. Watch for pedestrians and observe the speed limit. So I've seen people going out there, you know, right? And do not give rides or use the forks to lift people. Seen that. Now... Jim, what about if you go and you get a cage? I'm not even going to go there because you could have a cage on there. I don't recommend them. But some contractors, some workplaces love those. I don't. The few times I've had to use them, guess what? There are so many safety uh, procedures in place. And plus, I have it in my contract. I'm not responsible for Groovno. So forklift maintenance, right? Remove from service any forklift found to be in unsafe operating condition. Now, I'm going to ask you this. How do you know whether it's in an unsafe operating condition? Any guess what you need out there? Think about it. You're going to need a, come on, a, a, a checklist. All right. Okay. So what, uh, you, no, let's say now you have a history on that. What do you think is a morbid thing? You can have a body laying there, dead, because forklift rolled over. He wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Hey, I could jump from it. Guess what? Yeah, nothing lands on you. What do you think uh, the first thing that these investigators are going to ask for? Even if you have a body sitting there on the job, you think they're going to be worried about your psychological safety? We're not going to worry about that. First thing, where is the checklist and where is the training? Every freaking time. So it would if you don't produce those like on the spot, guess what? Now you got a problem. Well, what do you mean you got a problem? Now you got a problem. Because that's a leading indicator that you weren't operating that properly you weren't obeying instructions uh, or the directions manufactured directions and a whole host of other things and that also means that your management wasn't enforcing it hold on i gotta sneeze maybe not <laughs> pardon me i wasn't quick enough with the button pardon me all right that's all leading indicators. So I always make sure that those things are done or at least tell the contractor or the people I'm working with, hey, hey you need to do that. Keep the forklifts in a clean condition free of excess oil and grease and repair and maintain according to the manufacturer's recommendations. Well, this is the whole thing. Get a qualified mechanic to maintain that forklift. Now you're going to say, well, what do you mean? My cousin uh, Frank... My cousin Frank knows all about this stuff. 
And it turns out that Frank got an online uh, certificate on auto repair from a dubious online thing. May have lied lied about his uh, qualifications, which means that he could probably run for uh, the congressional district in New York, the third district, and everything else. Now you're going to trust Frank, your cousin, to go and repair that. Probably not a good idea. Oh, we'll pay him under the table 50 bucks. He'll repair anything. Yeah, uh, no, go go for a regular company with that. Are you serious, Jim? Yeah, that crap happens all the time. All my stories are true. All right, and this is where the issue happens. You don't get qualified mechanics, now you have a problem. You don't have checklists, you have a problem. You don't have training, you have a problem. But we could go and give you all the training and everything else that you need. Here's some other stuff from OSHA. Always wear seatbelts when operating a forklift. We just said that never exceed the rated load. Ensure the loads are balanced. Make sure you have enough clearance when raising and lowering materials. More than enough times I've seen these things hit overhead obstructions, whether they're lights, uh, uh, joists, uh, beams, anything like that. Watch for production. Keep a safe distance from ramps. So you can give us a call, 845-269-5772 for all your forklift training needs. Here is a bulletin from several years ago, right, on uh, forklifts. Something I want to, let me point out to you, right, we'll go through the whole bulletin here. But this is what it comes down to. One, you can't have children younger than the age of 18 under Fair Label Standards Act from operating those things. All right, so I get requests all the time. Well, uh, we want 17-year-olds to uh, you, you train them our uh, summer help. And as well, how old are they? 17, I can't do it. They're not allowed on that forklift. Well, and then they have a few choice words for me. And I said, okay, well, nice working with you or not working with you. Right? Uh, so under 18 can't operate that. Now, you're going to say, well, we're, Jim, where was the, uh, how old is this? And I'm going to tell you how old the, uh, the, Fair, the Fair Labor Standard Act, uh, that's been updated all throughout the years. That's not what it's, what's important. The 1910-178 uh, rules are promulgated. One of the first things promulgated by OSHA in the early 1970s. Now, here's the question for you, right? I was born in 1970, right? Oh, well, you shouldn't give out personal information. Well, you know, you look it up. I was born in 1970. Look at all that we, where we've come since 1970 in terms of occupational safety and health, in terms of technology, culture, culturally, financially, everything since the 1970s. Do you think that the... Uh, Law might be slightly out of date, perhaps. They reference the uh, ANSI standard and some other standards, but now you have to rely on the general duty clause, which generally speaking is that uh, it's ex post facto after something happens, then okay, great, blah, 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 blah. Now you have an issue. All that stuff in there. So, again, nothing's being updated soon. 
with them. That has happened in 50 years. There's no real plans that I'm aware of to update this stuff. There's talk in the background. So what's one to do? What I do is I train to the ANSI standard and to the manufacturer's standard. And without that, what do I need? I need an instruction manual for that. That's what I do with that. And on the other industry standards. And that's what I suggest everybody else do with that. Uh, normally, these certifications are good for three years, uh, sometimes less. When would it be less? When you're dealing with seasonal workers, uh, where the employer does want to be on the hook for training other companies' employees. Right? So they have us write out the paperwork. We're in such this training is for this brand of uh, forklift and this model number. I've done that already. I've gotten yelled at for it, but too bad, right? And everything else. So I wanted to thank everybody here. I'm trying to be here every week, as my vo every day this week, as my voice holds out. Uh, and that's all I got. And I will see you tomorrow, and we'll close out with some holiday music after our uh, brief outro. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.